0: So look, um, what I might do, rather than talk about myself, is actually, Laura, if you don't mind, for the listeners, explaining a little bit about um, the, the working arrangements that we have um, with FIFA Consulting and, and Scout Solutions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we at Scout have engaged FIFA um, as a, a third-party contractor to um, conduct our WPSAs, which are Um, workplace safety assessments um, on all the sites that we present um, staff out to essentially contractors out to so that will assess um, all of our blue collar sites and the roles against those um, provide um, what am I looking for here, they will provide um, action plans and they will provide us with information as to what could be done to better improve the site access that we can provide to our employees before they go out to site so that we can also um, give them the best opportunity at being safe out on site. So we rely heavily on their expertise to come in and say, okay, This is um, what we've established on the site. These are the processes that I have in place. um, And this is what you need to take into consideration prior to sending somebody out to site. So we can communicate that with our clients um, and we can also communicate that with our employees. Um, FIFA will also come in and help us do some investigations. I mean, as you're probably aware, when you you have a great number of people out on site, um, things will happen. There'll be a lot of hazards that come through and we can um, then engage the conversation to work collaboratively with FIFO and say, hey, how can we investigate this and what are some options that we've got moving forward? So um, it's been really helpful when we don't have um, that much access to safety knowledge and that sort of thing to be able to rely on the um, the expertise in the business there.
0: Great. Okay. Well, thanks, Laura. And look, in the context of today, talking around contractor management and mobilising contractors safely, I thought it would be, Really useful to have Laura on board. Um, Laura has a huge amount of experience in getting contractors and employees ready for site. And labour hire is a bit of a unique arrangement for many, um, in terms of the the nature of different contractors and stakeholders involved. Um, and mobilising staff is absolutely critical in the game of, of labour hire. So um, in terms of um, a little bit more additional context around contractor management, look, today's really around the mobilization, um, which is really only one part of a, uh, a typical contractor management um, process um, and um, life cycle of various contractors, depending on the, the nature of the work that's being conducted. Um, On the screen is just a typical dashboard of assurance activity that we provide to some organisations around their contractor management systems. For those that did um, miss last week, just a really quick recap. You know, we we spoke about some of the challenges around contractor management within industry. We spoke a a little bit around how to segment and differentiate between contractors rather than having a one-size-fits-all with the view of trying to really keep things simple and take a risk-based approach. Um, We also spoke around various selection and engagement processes um, at the very front end um, when um, engaging contractors up front. So in in terms of the next steps around mobilisation, today we'll also talk around a few challenges. Um, In particular, we'll talk around this concept around compliance versus culture um, and where to really focus. Um, from a personal point of view, when it comes to contractor management and mobilisation of contractors, there's only a certain amount of processes put in place and um, we really over invest in trying to create really strong leadership behaviours and inspire contractors when they come on site to, to work in an effective way. Um, you know, there's a great opportunity when people first start you know, to really set the tone from the top and set the right tone to, to get organisations and, and contractors working in an effective manner. Um, we'll also talk um, a little bit around our safety leadership results, particularly as it relates to um, contractor management and you know the impact that can potentially have on contractors. Um, having Laura on board, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear a few stories around la- labour hire, both good and, and not so good. Um, and we'll talk a, a bit about process in, in terms of trying to get um, contractors ready prior to them starting work. So to kickstart, just so we can get a better feel for what the audience is, is trying to um, um, understand today and what their interests are. Out of those topics that we're going to be talking about, it'd be really good to get a feel from um, everyone on the call today around you know, what's their interest and then we can hopefully tailor some of the messages and time accordingly. Um, We've only got the 30 minutes, so it's pretty short and sharp. So we wanna try and make sure that we um, provide as much as we can, uh, much value as we can for our listeners.
1: Yeah, I find that safety people like to talk about safety. It can go on,
2: can't it? (laughs) We'll just give it a few more seconds to get everyone involved in the poll.
0: So the options being compliance versus culture, leadership behaviours, some stories around labour hire um, and contractor readiness prior to work starting.
2: Okay.
0: Alrighty, so we've got a a pretty good balance there. Um, It's your lucky day, Laura. We won't be relying on you. Um, too much to talk around too many stories around labour hire. Um, there is some interest, of course. Um, I can always follow up. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, around 4% interest there in, in, in labour hire stories, but that's okay. Um, I'm, no doubt you can contribute to, to many other areas that we're talking about today as well. Um, we've also got um, a neck and neck um, result there around compliance versus culture um, and contractor readiness coming in at around the, the 30 or 40% mark. Um, and leadership behaviors 20%. So um, that gives us a really good indication. So thank you. So given the interest um, around compliance versus culture, I mean, some of these, um, I guess, messages um, are probably not going to be overly new to a lot of people, but um, as it relates to to contractor management we're hoping to to share a few stories here to, to get people to understand um, different avenues out there to think about and how that might apply to their organization so you know often there's a heavily reliant on compliance systems and rules um, talk around legal requirements and all that sort of fun stuff versus really trying to empower effective high performing cultures talking around know, effective behaviours, demonstrating care and concern for people and making people feel comfortable um, to operate in an effective way. So often they're um, at loggerheads, these two concepts. Um, So, you know, some of the things that we help organisations with, um, and we'll share some of the results today to help people understand, is going beyond basic compliance um, and systems to really drive effective leadership behaviours. Um, that can be done in a, a range of different ways. I know, Laura, that when we work with your senior management, the two, the two mats, um, they're heavily involved in a lot of the messaging um, uh, uh, around how safety is managed. Um, and what we do find is when organisations start to move along uh, beyond basic compliance and um, just looking at, you know, getting people across the line uh, around basic pre-qualification um, and starting engaging with contractors in a collaborative way, Well, that's when we start to see generally um, better results. Laura, I know that there's a couple of clients um, that we speak about on a regular basis that you don't need to name names. But, you know, do you want to share some of the the challenges that you might have around some organisations that just don't have the culture right?
1: yeah it's um look it's not uncommon we come from a, a background i suppose where safety was was tended to be swept under the rug because if there was a workers comp claim it was often perceived as you know um we just don't do those things and if you've, you've lodged a claim you're not going to get you know so we don't want people who are going to say things um to us out on site about safety so it comes from the people that come from that era of having a bad reflection on on what safety means in the workplace to um, perpetuating that, I think, on site still. So we have had one site, um, quite a lot of pushback when it comes to discussing safety um, with a couple of our clients. One in particular um, will be just sort of going, okay, can we speed this up, can we hurry this up, are we done yet? Um, Just trying to rush you out of it rather than actually going to deeper conversations about what... um, what benefit that we can have as 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 a supplier um, towards managing not just, their st- not just our staff, but theirs as well. Um, so we do have a couple of clients where they will just say, I haven't got time for this, um, no time for safety. Um, you're gonna have to come out at a different time, whereas we're trying to push the aspect, well, we need to understand this now, um, understanding it later is not going to help us. So um, I know we've had FIFA go out to one particular site for us, um, in, in New South Wales and it was quite an experience. We have had some incidents on site before and even following that, um, it was more, they were sort of just standing over the top, I think of Mark going, okay, look, can we wrap this up? We done here, we had enough. And it was basically, okay, a tick and flick exercise for them. So unfortunately that culture certainly is still around there which we're trying to obviously um, negate. Um, but yeah, it's certainly um, it's certainly something that we're working with at the moment and it is getting better. Um, but there are definitely um, a couple of clients out there who would rather just um, not talk about it, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I think um, although there's some challenges, I, I guess, with labour hire organisations sometimes, I think Scout also work with some tier one mining companies who are, are really leading the way too. So you know, it's not all bad news, but um, certainly I think that, that there's lots to, to learn around um, driving effective leadership behaviours. So, um, with that in mind, um, here are some leadership behaviour results um, from the Health and Safety Index benchmark results from 2021. And the reason I thought it would be worth sharing this, um, I actually only pulled out these results yesterday in preparation for the, the webinar. It's actually quite surprising, some of the, the things that um, I've identified for the first time. So, uh, out of the four aspects um, the Health and Safety Index measures, um, safety leadership um, questions are are, are integrated um, within the performance metric um, from low through to high performance. And you can see the results there um, out of the leadership questions that have been pulled out. um, We can see there's a a pretty big range from 51 through to 88%. And as we start talking around compliance versus culture, um, it's interesting to see that um, the, the lowest scoring result, having visible senior managers having effective conversations on site versus adherence to rules and procedures, which is the highest result, I think resonates with some of the messaging that we're trying to t- talk about today is that it's not a coincidence that um, building high performance cultures is actually quite challenging. So it's not to say that organisations are doing this bad all the time, Um, often it's some of the more challenging um, areas to get right um, and presents huge opportunities for organisations, particularly as it relates to contractor management and setting clear messages um, with um, with the broader workforce around what good looks like. Um, So um, as we sort of start to move through um, the implications of what that looks like, it might be worth... um, uh, for the callers on the line, you know, send through some Q&A chats um, around their experiences on setting clear expectations and really mobilising contractors in an effective way. Um, often, inductions is a, is a key um, milestone for, for organisations as they start to mobilise contractors. It's certainly not the only way. Um, we'll go through some typical checklists that we use Um, in a second, um, in the back end of this presentation to talk about some other process around mobilisation, but certainly keen to understand from people on the call today some of their experiences um, around leadership behaviours. So um, in particular, um, given that we're talking around the mobilisation of contractors, um, setting expectations is, is is a really um, key component um, of not only driving um, effective leadership behaviours, but also um, setting clear tone from the top as contractors start to to um, commence work on site um, prior to beginning. Um, from your perspective, Laura, um, I mean, what's your experience as some of the challenges around you know having um, selected a, an, a a contractor an employee and getting them ready? Are there some um, key things that Scout consider when they're trying to mobilise staff prior to work commencing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we bring it back to having an understanding of the site, which we can communicate to people, um, which often helps long run, but understanding what's on that site, we marry up with um, the medical questionnaires that we sort of, you know, put people through as well. So first of all, we will obviously, mobilise people to the point where they are scout ready um, to go. Now then we need to take into account um, a a medical history of sorts. No one is ever not guaranteed a job because of their medical history. What it will allow us to do is ascertain where they will fit on the best site. So it allows us to recruit better for the client and more safely for the candidate as well. So if for example, we understand on um, site A that there is a 25 kilo weight lifting capacity required on a frequent basis. However, the person that we've put forward potentially has suggested on their medical questionnaire that they're only happy to lift 10 kilos on a frequent basis, on a, on a daily basis. We need to then find out where that lies so that we can actually turn around and have those discussions out on site. Um, we have come to the point before we were often referred people. So we get a lot of people who are referred to us from site and our hiring managers, when they come to us, will have the expectation that that particular person is actually going to go out to site, which is not always the case because often the risk outweighs the benefit for us having that on site, uh, that that particular person out on that particular site. Um, So we will um, push back on that in in certain ways. But if we were looking at um, mobilising people in regards to safety and their aspects, we also do an induction to scout so that we know that they understand what their requirements are and who their employer is, as well as who they're contracting to and who to speak to so that they have a basic understanding of safety, which when they go to site, they will then be inducted to. Um, So we manage their, their work history and to ensure that people are work ready Um, It doesn't just come down to medicals, so it will also come down to us doing due diligence in um, checking their work history, so making sure that the job we're putting them forward for, they've actually done previously and recently, so that when they do go out to site, you know, they're actually okay to do that. And also reference checking them on a recent reference against the job they're saying that they've been doing, so we understand that, yes, that person is, is, is fit for this role, has the experience to do this role, and understands what's involved in this role. And then we talk to them around safety. And that's just getting people mobilised in the first.
0: So Laura, as you start talking through some of those examples, um, last week we spoke about how far to, to go, particularly around um, the, the selection and engagement um, processes. It's probably worth uh, calling out that labour hire is a little bit unique in that um, often they're directing their employees as opposed to, to contractors and um, the the, the um the amount of due diligence done for labor high can be a bit different to, to contractors um notwithstanding that now i know some organizations that also provide um, declaration forms for some of their contractors too um, depending on the nature of the risk that's presented um in the q a chat we've got a, a question from from bruce around the frequency of inspections and assurance activity for, for labor high organizations particularly for those that um a a long-standing um labor hire client so um i might answer that one for you laura um you know we work with scout on a bit of a schedule and we try and make that based on risk so depending on the nature of um the facility you know some of the, the, the scout staff are out on oil platforms tier one mining um sites Uh, we've got some major hazard facilities all the way through to schools and some 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 lower risk areas so we we try and tailor the frequency and the nature of the assurance activity um, based on the risk Um, there's also another question here around um, is there a difference between large organizations and smaller medium-sized enterprises around culture Um, and and do smes um, do culture better so it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty tough one to answer to to generalise, but um, certainly I think that there's um, it's often a balance between organ- large organisation organisations having more resources generally uh, and able to afford investment in this space, um, versus you know just the sheer size and the ability to communicate and engage staff and depending on the size of the organisation can also present some challenges. So. Um, you know, I've worked with some some small mum and dad organisations that got some amazing cultures and they, they operate on a, um, a, a pretty low budget, um, but I think it is pretty hard to, to make a generalisation of, of who's better. Um, so um, there's another um, question here um, from Andrew. How do we get contractor referees who give us the most accurate summary of compliance versus performance? Um, so I think... Um, Andrew, not quite sure whether we're talking around referees for individuals there or for organisations. From your experience, Laura, do you use reference checks when you're engaging um, both workers and organisations?
1: Look, to be perfectly honest with you, when it comes to engaging organisations, if they're external, we do a credit check reference in terms of business. When it comes to working with Ventia as a whole, um, we are a preferred supplier um, agreement. Um, taking on contractors, absolutely. If someone is referred to us, or we have gone and sourced the candidate, we will absolutely reference every single one of those people, um, simply because at the end of the day, they're our employee, regardless of who's asked for them to come on. They're not the responsibility then of, of, of the client. Oh, my, my thing, sorry, i coming from town. Um, in regards to ensuring that we have the most accurate reference check on file, um, we utilize a system which will actually prompt the employee themselves or the or the candidate themselves to um, provide the most recent reference. Um, the questions are tailored within that. And what it will do, it will summarize everything for us and let us know what the um, what the recent what the recent activity is with that person. So it will tell us whether or not their activity was six years ago, or it'll tell us whether or not it was three months ago. So we'll know from those reference checks, what's accurate. And if we're not getting enough information, we just continue on to try and find the most reasonable, um, reasonable reference. So most people that come through will certainly provide somebody who's quite recent, but
0: yeah. Okay, okay. well look, um, we should crack on given that we've only got a 30 minutes. So. Um, we might answer some some questions a, a, a little bit later um, on the on the Q and A. So, um, you know, Laura's spoken a little bit about uh, labour hire um, and how they do go a step further from typical contractors because um, they've got that employer-employee relationship. Often there are challenges um, with labour hire when you've got multiple stakeholders involved. So, uh, having the, the host employer and the asset owner often working with multiple stakeholders presents Lots of challenges. Um, Laura, um, if you like, is there any specific safety challenges that you find difficult um, as it relates to having multiple stakeholders involved um, in these sorts of arrangements?
1: Um, generally, I mean, it's, it's um, everybody gets caught up. right? So the general consensus is in, in labour hire is that they're your problem, not ours. Um, when you're talking to like your your um, host employer, and it's like, well, this is your employee. Um, so you need to have those conversations. It's getting people to talk and change the aspect around, well, yes, absolutely. but we need to make sure that when you know they're on your site that the responsibility lays there. and it's changing that um, the way people think around it, and it's and it's a time thing. So everybody's like, I'm so busy. I've got no time to do this or I've got no time to do that. So it's then we're trying to assist in changing the mindset to say, hey, this is a value add to you. Um, and we're trying to provide you with some assistance here. I'm just, you know, there's my quote to people is generally, you know, we can't be too busy um, for safety. We do have a lot of incidents that come through and a lot of hazards, which is great because we then can manage those as they come through. It's, it's mainly around the communication piece, I suppose. Um, Getting people to say they have enough time to talk.
0: So, with that in mind, um, we'll sort of crack on in terms of work readiness. Um, you know that that communication piece, Laura. We often we, we speak about a lot in terms of um, trying to get some visibility of what's going on on site um, as the as the labour hire um, employer when there are multiple stakeholders involved. As that relates to um, mobilisation, now depending on the the level of um, control and influence and, and the risk that we spoke about um, last week will often depend on the nature of mobilisation activity. So although um, you know, some of the key messages today is really around trying to promote high performance culture and right size that over um, focusing too much on process, um, we do provide organisations checklists so um, to give them prompters on things to, to think about when they are mobilising contractors. Um, so if anyone would like copies of some of those contractors, depending on the nature of um, the contra- contracting arrangements, we've got different checklists for different styles of contractors, more than happy to provide some copies of those that um, for those people that are interested. So you can see on the, on the screen here, just a, a quick snapshot, it's not an exhaustive list of some of the typical mobilization activities that occur, um, depending on the nature of the, the, the contract, the type of contractor. Um, and the level of influence and control. Uh, Won't go through it in a lot of detail because we've only got 30 minutes. So um, we might uh, open up for Q&A in a second, um, Sarah, to allow um, everyone on the the call to ask some more questions. Um, In terms of further information, um, we do have information on our website. Um, Feel free to jump on there and have a look. Um, We've got some case studies around uh, organisations identifying their contractor requirements, particularly around safety software configuration. Um, we've also got some information on there around business process outsourcing, not too dissimilar to what we're doing with Scout around supporting organisations um, around how they manage contracting um, and uh, various contracting activity. So um, given the time, Sarah, I'll open up to, to Q&A and give people a, an opportunity to ask them some more questions.
2: Um, well, a, a few questions coming through through the chat and you've already answered some of those. Um, he says, somebody, uh, Julian says, what about when a contractor tradie is for a specific short-term job? I don't know if you've answered that one. Yeah, Any so... About onboarding? Well,
0: it might, might, might be worth, uh, Julian, just clarifying the exact question around tradies, short-term tradies. Um, Noting that they are very different to um, labour hire um, and that uh, the level of rigour that you would do for a, a short-term um, tradie, um, particularly you're a sole trader, would be very different to engaging a large organisation for a long-term contract.
2: Okay, so Andrew says the nominated referee is generally going to give a positive feedback. How can we go further? Somebody me to go? Yeah, go
1: for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been very surprised. In 15 years, um, I tend to find that um, people will not always give a favourable reference, even though they are on, on on a reference check, so that's a good indicator. We also have um, assurances in the system that we use which will tell us because um, if it's a fraudulent... Um, Uh, reference checks so whether or not that's actually been completed by that person to make you know to to have that buffer there Um, but we can also go digging you know we can depending on your level of suspicion I suppose it's about trusting your gut a lot of the time and it's generally right um, is that we, we will go to the candidate and say hey look have you got anybody else from here? Somebody else who's not a colleague, somebody else who is more of a manager. And by having those conversations, we tend to find out a little bit more behind why those particular referees are there um, and can get extra information. But it's about communication and talking to them. So
0: So Laurie's also made a comment here around um, relying a little bit more on verbal reference checks as opposed to written ones. You tend to get a bit more information. I think it's...
1: Yeah, look, we mm-hmm. can do, it depends on your consultant, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, because um, there will be um, people who will, will, will go in and ask the bare minimum of questions, and there will be people that will go in and, and do a real in-depth one. So we tend to utilize both. Um, the system that we use is, is quite in-depth and gives us great information, but again, it's not always the quickest way to go about doing things. And we, you know, picking up the phone and talking to somebody is often a really good way to find out. Um, but yes, there's two, two very different ways of going about it.
0: Laurie's also suggested here to look at social media f- to do checks. Um, it's not a bad idea, actually. Um, there's a fair bit of I, uh, sorry, information you can find. Depending on how much information people share on their social media accounts, of course. Are there any other questions there with Miss Sarah? Uh, yes,
2: so a couple of new ones. Bruce asks, if you can't influence a client in the health and safety space, do you still provide them with your services?
0: I'm not sure if that's um, a question for myself or Aurora. From a personal note, um, there have been clients that we've decided to work away on, walk away from doing work on because um, their values don't align with ours. Um, I can't talk on behalf of Scout, but. um, no, no doubt there's, there's going to be challenges depending on the nature of the client and the work that they do we,
1: we have an escalation process so if we do complete and a workplace safety assessment and ascertain that it's extreme level of risk we um will generally escalate that to um Matt Berry, who is the MD of Scout, and we allow him to make the decision on whether or not we walk away and what we can do. If it's completely difficult to engage with people, I mean, we we need to understand the risk associated and how we can manage that. So, um, no, yes, if the risk is extreme, we would walk away from that because we don't need to be putting people in a position that is going to put them in any sort of danger, because we're not there. And we have that responsibility of not being on site all of the time, to manage it more effectively from where we are.
2: Um, Julian asks, what is the minimum requirement to get the short-term contractor on site safely? Would the SWIMs be sufficient?
0: So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty tough question to, to generalise. Um, well, I generally suggest uh, at a bare minimum, Um, to to look at insurances, safe work method statements and some form of induction, bare minimum.
2: Okay. Um, So that's it for the questions now. And we all know every time I say that, there was another one, I wish there is. uh, Just a thank you. So, um, right. Yeah, so that um, should be it. Um, We're a bit more on time this week, Mark.
0: No, no worries, Sarah. Try, try to stick to that 30 minutes. Um, we do have another request here from Paul uh, for me to email some of those checklists, mobilisation checklists. So, got that email address, Paul. Happy to, to send that through.
2: Great. Right. Okay, so hopefully everyone can join us again next week. Thank you, Laura, for joining us today. Um, I believe, believe the slides will be coming out as well, Mark.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yep.
2: yeah Yep. If you can pop them over to me shortly. And um yeah, thank you, Mark, as well. So that was great. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Appreciate right. it. Thanks Sarah. Thanks thank you, coffee. Laura. Bye. Bye.